You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Sturchio Show. That's right. Episode two. We made it. We didn't get canceled or anything like that. So that's a that's got to be a victory right there. Hope everybody enjoyed episode one. I got a lot of positive feedback. I'm very pumped about that. Um, people texting me, either DMing me or messaging me or even commenting on some of the some of the videos that I've shared out. Um, all positive stuff. Very cool. Uh, very grateful for everybody that's listened in and uh, got the broad stroke of what the show is going to be all about. Now. Today, I get a little bit more specific on specific things. Like I said, I've been saying this uh, kind of recently as far as like what this is going to be as far as the entire show in its in itself. And it's not going to be like this, this long, drawn out journey thing. It's going to be more or less like I like to catch you up to speed. And then I'm going to start interviewing people. I'm going to start bringing in some guests. I'm going to start bringing in some very interesting people over the course of the next couple of weeks and and see where it goes from there. You know, yes, do I want to talk my sports? Do I want to vent about my my Yankees and my Cowboys and all that stuff? Yeah, but I got a lot of platforms to do that. Um, and I'm on the Premier Streaming Network uh, doing that with my business partner, Chris Gucci. We cover the world of sports over there. And on this specific podcast, like, yeah, am I going to be able to vent a little bit about my sports team? Sure. Uh, with current events that c- potentially happen in real time, I'll be able to get those podcasts out. Uh, but on this specific episode, I want to kind of talk to you guys about the journey as to where or how I got to where I got to right now. And it's not the easiest, it's the bumpiest of roads, but I'm telling you right now, if you just listen to the sound of the voice and you listen to the steps that I took to get to where I'm at today, uh, and I'm not by any means saying like, hey, I'm a millionaire, I I made it, this is great, I'm the most famous person in the world. I'm nobody in the grand scheme of things. In the grand scheme of things, I'm absolutely zero uh, compared to everybody else out there that have done uh, bigger and better things. However, um, I think that along the way, I definitely picked up a couple uh, tips, a couple things, uh, you know, whether it be suggestions, constructive criticism, uh, you got to be open to that stuff. You cannot just sit there and say like, I know my way. I figured it out. I'm going to figure it out along the way. And, uh, you know, this is how it's going to be. I said in the first episode to take the long road because I think that's the way you earn things. I think that's the way you earn the street cred. And when I walk around the streets, no, no, listen to me, walk around the streets. When, I, when I'm seen in public or I, or I get together with my friends, a lot of them are questioning the business and they're questioning, you know, how things are going and, um, you know, how's the podcast? A lot of that, that kind of bothers me a little bit. I've been, I've been at this almost three years over at Chop Sports Media and Chop Studios and people still think, it's just a podcast. And, and, and look, that's not to any fault of, of my own. Maybe I'm promoting it the wrong way. Maybe I'm telling people that I'm doing the, just the podcast, but there's a lot that went into this entire thing. And I think that it's a story that needs to be heard specifically. And especially if you're somebody out there that wants to just take the plunge and take the leap of, of faith into, um, your own, your own journey, you know? And I, and I think that's a big deal. I think that's, um, you know, it, it helps, it helped me because I saw others around me do it. Uh, so that was like step number one. It was like, get familiar with how they did it and get familiar with the steps they took and the, and the road, the, the, they drove down because at the end of the day, 
there, there's so many influential people in my life that, that, that got me to where I feel like I'm at my most comfortable, which is right now talking on the mic, being able to market myself, being able to get out there and not care about what people think right now, because there was a long time where that was the biggest holdup. That was the biggest holdup for me was actually giving a shit what others thought about what I was doing, because am I going to be a success? Am I, am I as successful as this person? If you start stacking up to everybody else around you, you're going to find out that you're going to fall, you're going to fall flat on your face. You're going to absolutely fall flat on your face. If you, like I saw, I heard this quote actually this morning driving in, um, that said that if you are, uh, the quote goes like this. If you are the average of the five people you hang around the most, if you're the average of the five people that you hang around the most and they're all bad people, guess what? You're going to wind up being one of those bad people. So let's just say you hang out with four losers. Guess what? You're the fifth loser. That's just the way it's going to play out, right? But if you hang out with two really, really successful people and then two really like on the border, like they're okay, but they're on hard times, you're in the middle of that. So like, and that's kind of where I feel like I fit. Like I have a bunch of, bunch of successful friends and I have some friends that are down on their luck, right? But like, I'm right smack in the middle of that. And I have taken a little bit of each and every one of their personality traits, whether it be, um, you know, their drive or sometimes their bad habits, right? Like it it all just adds up. And I think over the course of my, uh, my, at least my professional career, I've surrounded myself with good people. Have I made mistakes along the way? Yeah. Everybody's human. Everybody makes mistakes. It is what it is. You're not going to, you don't have to dwell on that stuff. You don't have to be like, well, you know, if I wouldn't have done that in 2015, you know, I would have been somewhere else. You know, it's bad to look back. Everything is a lesson. I feel like everything that I've done has helped people, or at least if I've told people about it, um, you know, it's helped me along the way. So without further ado, it's almost like, you know, this all started with a hope and a dream. Now, I I said in my first episode that I've always loved sports. I've always liked talking sports. I was making up things in my head. I was broadcasting to myself, right? So these things have always been a part of my life. And when I got to high school, unfortunately for me, I wasn't like Mr. You know, uh, give me the varsity jacket as soon as I walk in the door. It wasn't that it wasn't the case because of my middle school and how I was. I don't want to say how I was raised, But I feel like, and this is, you know, you could take it as a slight if you want. You know, I'm a product of divorced parents. And had I been with my dad the entire way, it would have been different. It would have been 100% different. He wouldn't have let me quit certain sports. He would have pushed me to do, like, better things and and be a better person and all this stuff. But unfortunately, I wound up with my mom. That's not my choice when I'm younger. And, again, my mom has her her trip-ups, her flaws, right? Everybody does. Nobody's perfect. But I feel like she let me become lazy. She let me get into the to the Madden and to the video games. And she let me eat all those French fries from McDonald's, right? So all these things just to make me happy and to shut me up, right? Um, not as strict. It was, it was just, was it, it was, my dad was the, the drill sergeant, which he wasn't a drill sergeant, but you know what I mean? Like comparable. He was this way. My mom was another way. So because of the fact that I was with my mom for like fifth grade through like ninth or fifth grade through like the end of eighth, you know, that's a pivotal time in your life to kind of develop these skills and develop what you want to do with yourself. And if you are an athlete, which I was, I, I promise you, I was good at specific sports. I was good at football. I was good at uh, baseball, you know, basketball, really, you know, eh. I, I said in my first episode, eh, not the best jumper in the world, but like, yeah, I was serviceable. Uh, I'll shout out to my boy, Mark, who used to say like, I'm going to cover Dave because he's the only one I can keep up with, meaning I was slow and he was slow as well. Uh, shout out to him, one of my best friends. Um, but 
what I'm saying is if I would have taken the route, I remember my dad getting like upset with me because I used to go to something in middle school, which any Fords people that are listening to this right now, which they're out there, like my hometown people, if you're out there and you listen to this and you went to Fords Middle, you knew all about punch ball, kickball, which was a, a leg- legitimately created game by Mr. Kenny. Do not know if he's still alive. I hope he is. He was like, it felt like he was 60, 70 years old when I was in middle school. So God bless. If he's still alive, great. If he's not, God rest his soul. Uh, but I don't want to put the, the, the hex on him either. Um, but I, what I will say is he created this game in which it created not, not, not just a game, but like a, a pattern, a get up in the morning, get there at like 6.45 a.m., and play kickball until 7.20, 7.30, in which that was homeroom. Homeroom started, and bang, you're right back in, you're in middle school, so you're going to homeroom. But, like, he had this organized sport where people would go there and play, right? And and that was part of, like, my morning routine. But, like, there was days where I just was like, I don't want to go. I want to sleep. You know, I want to sleep a little extra, just a little longer. Can you just let me sleep? And mom would be like, yeah, sure. She didn't want to hear me complain. So she was the one to break the news to my dad, like, hey, Dave's not going today. Uh, my dad would literally be in the driveway ready to pick me up. Like, let's go, man. I'm going to take you to kickball. Like, stay active, right? And I'm just like, ah, I'm lazy. So that's where it kind of all starts as far as, like, not being able to be in sports come high school. So, like, high school, I got into creative writing. Um, I loved writing. It was one of my favorite things. A lot of people looked at my penmanship and said, like, dude, are you sure you're a male? Right? Because I had this the, the cleanest, and the, again, you cancel me. I'm saying, like, girls had better handwriting than guys back in the day. I had very good handwriting, so you're looking at me like, oh, what the hell? You know, how's he write so nice? Um, so I had a nice, you know, penmanship. I was able to write. I loved to write everything under the sun, whether it be playing with my wrestling figures and, like, mapping out the next pay-per-view or mapping out stats of my school 14 baseball, whatever it was, I was writing everything. So when I got to high school and I got to Mr. Sawicki's English class, and then I got to my, like I said, one of my biggest mentors and inspirations in the beginning of all this thing, uh, Mr. Sweet Tech, love him to death. I mentioned him in my first episode. I mentioned him again. And like I said, long story boring, he showed up at one of my events that I was hosting as an announcer. Um, and it was like a full circle moment where I felt like I, I felt like a, like I made it. Like he's able to look at one of his students like, ah, he's doing okay. You know? Um, but anyway, Mr. Sweet Tech got me into the creative writing. Um, I love to do that. When I graduated high school, I knew that I wasn't getting into any of these other schools for, for what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a journalist, no cane, no Rutgers, no, uh, Ramapo, no, none of these schools, right? They all said no, because you suck at test taking. So I was like, all right, fine. So Middlesex County College, I was right away introduced to another creative writing course. And of course, when you go into Middlesex County College, you got to do all the the remedial stuff. You got to do like all the basic math 101 again and all this other shit. And that sucked because it took up a a, a year. Yes, I graduated with a a sports journalism degree from Middlesex uh, for an associate's degree in three years because the first year was a wash, right? Um, So... I got to write for the the school paper over there, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, I was doing articles, not only just on uh, sports, but like I was writing about presidential elections or whatever the hell it was. And I'm, uh, truth be told, not the biggest political guy you'll ever meet in your life. Um, in fact, I think they're all dumb. I think they're all liars. Um, do I side one way? Sure. But, but does that mean my way is the right way? Probably not. So, like, I, I, that's why I don't get too knee-deep in all this. Like, you know, you're like, this place sucks. I'm like, well, you know, what are you going to do? Move? And you're you going to be one of those people? Like, oh, I'm moving to Canada. Okay, cool. But guess what? I'm still here. I'm in Jersey. <laughs> so I haven't gone anywhere. So, in any event, um, I'm writing for the school paper. 
that's all well and good. I'm getting rinky-dink jobs here and there. I'm flipping burgers. I'm driving to Zamboni, which could be a freaking episode in itself of the people I met over at United States of America. Um, but anyway, so I'm doing all these jobs to get through college, and um, I know that it's running out. So what am I going to do next after I get this associate's degree? Like, will four-year degree or four-year colleges take me on now? Um, and then I heard on the radio uh, the Connecticut School of Broadcasting was opening up in Hasbrook Heights. Uh, Hasbrook Heights is right next to Giant Stadium, so for me it was like a 25-minute ride. Um, and I have to have to give credit where credit's due, man. Like, I didn't pay a dollar for college. I didn't pay a dollar for broadcasting school. My father helped me out with all that stuff, and I'm not about to be like, you know, Daddy helped me through. The, but he—that's the kind of guy he is, and that, that's just truth be told. Um, he he never let his kids struggle at all. There was never a moment in time that I mean, he lived in a, a, a two-bedroom apartment for a little while up north and he made sure that it was the, the as much as a single dad can do to make it livable i remember watching i believe it was the 95 super bowl the 49ers and chargers on steel chairs steel chairs because we didn't have couches yet right like he it, it didn't matter to me because of the company i was with i was with my dad my grandma i think my aunt joe was there uh but like what i'm saying is he he never let us uh feel like we were um struggling or or never made us feel like we were in a bad situation it was always Kids first, always. And that's kind of what he's instilled in me. And that's how I have, you know, I'm raising my kids. Um, Just based off him. Big role model, big inspiration. He's the man. Um, But anyway, so broadcasting school. That was interesting because you're meeting a bunch of aspiring people that want to talk on the radio. And when I tell you, the cast of characters that I met there, I still talk to some of them to this day. You know, shout out to Pepitone, who's working. Shit, man, he's been at Sirius XM for like pretty much right after that. He was there and he never left back. I think he works for NASCAR. Now he's got credentials at the Yankees. So shout out to him. Uh, Pat uh, DJ Moose, right? Uh, the Jameis. He did his internship with me with, with the New York Giants. I'll get into that in a minute. Um, but then he wound up opening up his own media company. And then you have uh, Phil Devine, like filthy, we called him. He was actually my broadcasting partner in our final in which we wanted to do it on wrestling because we're both wrestling fans and my teacher who you might know him your friend and mine dave lagreca was saying that you can't do your final a sports final on wrestling nobody's gonna listen nobody's it's not a sport blah 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 long story short this guy's made a career off of talking about wrestling on serious busted open um so yes that's a true thing if he denies it that's that's on him but i'm telling you right now that's how it all went down um so again and there was people in there that you knew weren't going to make it, right? Like, the people that were shy as soon as the mic was right in front of the face, they didn't know what to do. So, like, for me, it was never hard. That This this is the easiest thing that I've ever done in my entire life. Like, I've I've played sports, I've lifted weights, I've, I've gone out there, and I've done a million things in my life. The easiest thing that comes to me is when there's a mic in my face and I'm able to talk. That's the easiest thing I've ever done. And, and, the, and that's not easy to come by for everybody. So I excelled at the Connecticut School of Broadcasting, after that was over, it was like a, I think it was like six or seven month course. Um, they gave you a binder of where to apply for internships because it's like, okay, what's next? How do you get hired in this business? Um, I'm basically, I'm like, you know what? I'll just, I'll apply everywhere, right? So I'm applying to uh, Z100, KTU, the New York Jets, the New York Mets, the New York Yankees. Like there's all these internships available. And as a Dallas Cowboy fan, you you scroll by the Giants. You're like, I'm not going to work there. That's like sacrilege. I can't do that, right? So I I, I post and I apply to everybody. And like three weeks go by. I hear nothing. And I'm like, man, it looks like I got to go back to the drawing board here and I got to figure this out or I got to go get another job or whatever the case may be. 
And then I get that call. Uh, it's uh, it's like a Monday or Tuesday afternoon. I'm sitting in my room. I get the call, and it says, hey, is this Dave? I said, yeah. He's like, this is Steve Venditti with the New York Giants and Feral Productions. I'm like, Wait, hold on. I'm like, I hold on. I, I, I did not apply for this. But considering they're in the same building, they might be sharing resumes. So here I am. I'm like, oh, hey, you know. And he's like, hey, listen, we, we got your resume. We've seen your, your stuff, your demo, everything. How would you like to work for Feral Productions over with the New York Giants? If we, you know, we'll bring you in for an interview. And if you're a fit, we'll bring you in for the internship for the 2007 season. And I'm like, holy shit, the NFL. Like, this is, how do I go from broadcasting school to the NFL within a blink of an eye? I was like, all right, well, listen, going to go, right? I mean, can't say no. And I talked to John, God rest his soul. I talked to John about this. I said, I, what, am I, what do I do? He's like, you're going to make it. So just go. And I'm like, all right. So, like, I, uh, I go to the interview. Now, keep in mind, I'm driving. At the time, I'm driving a Dodge Dakota. It was dark gray, but on the back was a massive Dallas Cowboys decal on my tailgate. I didn't take it off. I said, you know, what the hell with this, man? If they, they, they're they going to like me, they're going to like me. Like, that's who I am, and it's, this is the risk I'm willing to take. So I got there. I do it in my interview with, shout out to Joe Scacciaferro and uh, Steve Venditti and everybody involved over there at the New York Giants. And they asked her, like, you know, hey, do you uh, you follow the Giants? You're a big Giants fan? And I, all I did was I smiled. I just was like, mm-hmm. just like a, mm, you know. And Joe was like, oh, no. <laughs> like, he just knew right away. He knew. He was like, you're a, you're a Cowboys fan. And I was like, I am, in fact, a Dallas Cowboys fan. And, like, they made jokes of it. They knew that my side job was, was driving a Zamboni. So they literally, from that day, like, it was a day later, they offered me the position of the intern, and they labeled me Zamboni. That's how they wanted the, the – like, there was a bunch of Daves on the roster here. So it was like, you're Zamboni going forward. So that's what it was. Boney, Zamboni, Zam, whatever. That's who I was. Unfortunately, like I said in my first episode, my best friend passed away the day I was supposed to leave for training camp. Um, so I had to delay that. But then I, once I got up there, whirlwind, man, it was some seriously cool shit Working with the New York Giants was was one of those experiences that I wish I would have taken just a little bit more serious because after all the grunt work of each and every day, you're regretting it. You're like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm doing this for free. What's the end game? I was like bitter. I was like 20 years old, 21 years old, and I'm like, this sucks. I don't want to do this. But like at the same time, you're taking it all in. You're meeting all these people. Um, I've had lunch with like Carl Banks and Bob Papa, right? Bob Papa is the voice of the New York Giants. Carl Banks is his caller. And I've every Wednesday they'd come in. Bob Papa was the one to tell me, don't ever order French fries delivery because nobody knows how to do it right. Right. And I'm just like, what? And to this day, I always remember if you order French fries, guess what? Nine times out of ten, they're coming back soggy. You better go pick them up. So you're like fresh right off the, right out of the uh, the old uh, whatever the hell you call it, um, deep fryer. Uh, but anyway, so I got to do that. I got to meet. Uh, I, I was taken on their second preseason game to Baltimore. I was treated like a king. It, my 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 uh, colleague called out. He couldn't make it. So all of a sudden I got two king size beds in a bedroom in Baltimore. I pushed those bitches together. And all of a sudden I was like, this is great. I'm getting room service and all this stuff. Then that, that faithful day, uh, it was Sunday night football for preseason week two, I believe week two or three, you can look it up. So I'm not making this up. Um, I remember walking out of the tunnel, M and T bank stadium in Baltimore. And I, the first person I bump into was the late great legendary John Madden who was doing Sunday night football at the time. And I'm just like, I'm starstruck. But at the same time, I'm like, all right, be, be professional. Um, and I, I literally bumped into him by accident and he's like, Oh, you know, sorry. And I was like, Oh, oh my God. Or I was like, Oh my God. I was like, 
you're John Madden. I was like, I, I'm, I'm Dave Sturchy. I, I work for the Giants. Like, it's a, it's an honor to meet you. He's like, you sure you're not supposed to be suiting up? Like, I was a bigger kid. So I was like, no, no, I'm just, I'm just a production guy. I, yeah, he, I was like, but hey, listen, I, I, I love all your video games. He's like, oh, thanks for you. And like, we just, I'm talking to John Madden, and I'm like, this is like day seven. <laughs> you know, I was like, what, what's next? Um, so that was an experience. I got back. There was one Wednesday. We're like Jeff Fiegel's legendary punter in the NFL. He comes in there and he's got an Xbox controller. He's like, who wants to play that? And I'm like, well, don't you have practice? He's like, I'm a fucking punter. <laughs> I was like, oh, all right. So here you go. You can go play Madden with Jeff Fiegel's, right? It's just person after person. I met Eli Manning a bunch of times. The driest humor of all time. Hilarious dude. So, yes, did he destroy me, um, you know, as a, as a fanboy? Yeah, he did. He, he beat my Cowboys more times than I would rather uh, count. But what I will say is that he was the nicest dude in the world. Who was not nice? David Deal. David Deal, I think, I don't know, I'm not even sure if he has a broadcasting job anymore, but he was a douche rocket, right? In the, right in the start of the training camp, he used to squirt me with water. Yeah, did it feel good? Yeah, it was 100 degrees in Albany. But at the same time, he squirted me with water. I'm like, dude, this is the only, the only pair of clothes I got, and you keep squirting me with your water gun. Like, just knock it off, dude. And I'd call him David Dickhead the entire rest of the way. Uh, but the entire season was awesome. I got to see the Cowboys come in there and beat the brakes off the Giants as a Giants employee. That was fun. And look, we all know how this ends, right? It's 2007. You a sports fan? Yeah. The Giants won the Super Bowl that year, okay? They beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl after the Patriots were trying to go 19-0 and or whatever. And I was on the field for that last Brady game where they went undefeated 16-0. and So I got to be right. I have a picture of it. I was right behind Tom Brady and Adam Schefter, right? I was, I was right behind those guys. I met everybody. I met Troy Aikman for a brief moment uh, when him and Joe Buck were about to call that game with the Cowboys. Oh, no, that was the Packers game. Uh, Packers and Giants. I was right on the field for that. I was on the field for every home game. The playoffs came along. They traveled a lot because they were that last seat or whatever. So I was in the control room helping out with that. Uh, did I get to see the trophy? Yeah, I saw the trophy. I wouldn't touch the trophy. I don't want to. I don't want to see that trophy. That's not my trophy. I want the Cowboys to grab that trophy. So that wasn't me. Um, but anyway, that internship was amazing. What happened was after that, they did hire this girl. Her name's Danielle. She's a great girl. Um, she was hired as the one person that they took out of like the class of six of us, and the rest of us were trying to like basically like on our own when it comes to you know finding another job or, or doing enough. And I, like I said to you guys, I was very bitter most of the time. There was a lot of times where I'm just like, this is not going to be worth it to do all this logging of tape or this. If I can turn back time, and I know a lot of people say that all the time, if I could turn back time, I would 1,000% do everything all over again and, and crush it, right? But I can't. I, I've left my mark. I've made my friends. I've made my connections over there. The rest is history. But again, had a fantastic time. It was a lot of fun. And, and that was it. Before you knew it was over. And uh, like I said, got to meet uh, T.O. Uh, during the, the, the Cowboys game. It, there was just a lot of cool experiences. Had a shot with Jeremy Shockey in Albany. So, like, these are all experiences that I could take to my story and be like, this is, this is great. Um, so after the internship, there was a little bit of a lull period where I didn't know what was going to happen. And then until I got my next break in around 2011, I believe it was, 2011 was a, was a bad year for me. I don't have to get into detail. I was, you know, dating somebody that was very, very, very detrimental to my mental health and emotional health. Right. But like, I was able to get in with my friend PJ who got me an opportunity to go work at the MLB network. And I did. I got that job. I was actually getting paid to log film for Major League Baseball. So I'm going from the NFL to Major League Baseball. And I was like, dude, I am rolling right now. This is I'm two for two, right? Um, but the, again, girl I was with, I was already working a full-time job with my dad. And then at night, I would go into MLB and work a night shift. So I had no time 
to to have anything, no girlfriend, no friends, nothing. So she made me choose, and here I am, uh, you know, love struck little dude, and I'm just like, eh, you know, MLB can that'll be around forever. You know, I'll just work with my dad, I'll make my money, and I'll just kind of put the dream on pause so I can date this girl who wound up leaving anyway. So it doesn't matter. Um, and that's another story in my pro wrestling episode, which will probably be next uh, next week. But um, so anyway, so. Again, I can't get into the broadcasting without talking a little pro wrestling because in 2014, while in pro wrestling, tore my ACL, tore my meniscus, didn't know what was next. I got the opportunity from Pat Buck to do some commentary. I was approached by Jay, oh, this is going to kill me, Aletto of Pro uh, Pro Wrestling Powerhouse. It was a website. Um, he allowed me to start my very own podcast. Uh, so that was the first time I was able to talk on a mic. Pat Buck, my trainer at the time, and forever my trainer for pretty much anything pro wrestling uh he allowed me to do commentary and i was like this is great i got to do it with sam roberts right off the rip um that turned into some uh ring announcing so i was doing that um all the while still wanting to do something with sports and it wasn't until no bullshit it was a long time it wasn't until 2019 2020 what i realized I want to get back in the writing. I've been doing a lot of this uh, podcasting stuff. I've been doing a lot of shows. I've, I've been doing all this stuff, but it's time to get into the, the podcast. I mean, the, the writing world again, which again, that's where it all started. So I actually was able to, I saw a tweet from a Katie Drummond of the Cowboys Wire, uh, which is associated with USA Today. He said, I'm, I'm holding like an open tryout. We're looking for new writers, beat writers. Here's what you got to do. Here's your assignment. Mike McCarthy just got hired as the coach. I need you to cover the press conference. I need you to write about what you're hearing. Quote them. Do all the stuff that you're you know, willing to do to, to showcase your work. Uh, we'll see what happens after that. I write. I feel great about it. Sure enough, I get hired. Um, it's unpaid at first, and I'm like, okay, well, whatever. I still love to write about the Cowboys. But then 2020 happens, and it's just an awful, odd year where you're just like, is there going to be football? All lo and behold, um, I, I started another podcast entitled the Jersey boys podcast, which is still a podcast today. You can find it on this same podcast network. You can find it on premier streaming, uh, plus where you can actually see our mugs, but it's me, a, uh, one of my favorite comedians of all time, Brett Ernst and his brother, Keith, uh, Brett, you, you probably know him from either Cobra Kai or his, uh, his role and he's, uh, cousin Louie, um, or his role on, uh, the roller skate, uh, thing. And it got like 8 trillion views on YouTube. He's a very funny dude. I asked him to be a guest on my podcast, right? And he's like, yeah, hey, let me call you. And, then, and I was like, call me. I was like, my fucking favorite comedian is going to call me. So he calls me up and he's like, hey, listen, I want to, I kind of, I've always wanted to do a Dallas Cowboy podcast. So how would you like to do it with me? I was like, what, what's happening here? What, why am I getting this opportunity? I was like, all right, hey, listen, man, I'm in. Let's go. So the Jersey Boys podcast was created. That was 2020. Then I don't want to get too long winded on this episode, but then around 2020, uh, end of 2020, Football is rolling, right? I mean, it's there's, there's no fans. It's all, it's all weird. The pandemic stuff is happening. And my current business partner, Chris Gucci, who I've known since the big shots days of 2011, 2012. Like, I, I've known this guy, I think, probably since 2010. Um, he hits me up. He's like, hey, if you want, you know, for more reach of your podcast, I started this group. It's called Chop Sports. If you want to throw your podcast in there for some more reach and find some new Cowboy fans, feel free. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's awesome, man. Thank you, you know? And then I thought to myself, like, wait, hold on. <laughs> I was like, well, what, so explain to me, what's this, uh, what's this chop sports thing all about? And he's like, look, the world is full of politics right now. Everybody's talking about the 2020 election. Everybody's talking about the pandemic. Nobody's talking about sports anymore. So we wanted to create a group with a bunch of like-minded guys to just chop it up. And that's where chop sports comes from, right? I think it comes from, like, Wu-Tang or something like that. But that, he'll tell you that story. But um, 
Chop Sports was born there as a Facebook group. And I'm like, all right, cool. So after like the, about a month, I said to him, I said, bro, you ever think about like doing your own like podcast, like off of this, you know, like start telling people about, you know, the happenings of, of the world of sports. And I was like, I, I know how to do it. And the whole entire time he had the same mindset because he was starting to like get equipment and you know everybody's getting paid to stay home so what was he doing he was he was actually buying equipment and i was doing the same thing i had a decent mic i had a new macbook everybody was kind of gearing up for this boom of of uh of social media and podcasting and all this other shit so all of a sudden the chop sports podcast was born me and him started doing that and then within the first couple of weeks we realized like ah, well, we're getting a lot of uh decent traction there's a lot of people actually listening to this stuff this is cool you know and i was like well maybe there's something more to this and Lo and behold, like a couple of guys like Mike DeCrosta, who has helped me tremendously in so many walks of life, he comes up to us and he's like, hey, listen, you know, I want to throw some money. Um, if you just read a sponsor, like, can you just read a like a like a commercial? I was like, yeah, of course. One, two, three, up to nine sponsors. And I said, bro, there's something here, man. We got something. We Let's just do something. I grew up with this kid, Jason, and he's over here in Matawan at a, at a, looking at a, some studio space, or I say studio space, it's office space. And he hits me up. He's like, Hey man, you and, and Chris are doing this podcast. Me and my friend Dave are doing this podcast. Why don't we split four ways? We can get like an office and like a little tiny thing. We can kind of doll it up and, and make it look like a little studio. And I was like, I don't know if we really need that. You know what I mean? Like, I guess, you know, turns out Chris lived in Matawan. I was like, Oh shit, you're right there. So it's a 25 minute drive for me. Let me haul down there and see the space. And once you're in this space and you realize that there's nobody else around you and you're like, I can run this, like this this will be mine, this little office here, game on, let's do it, right? You split it four ways, it's pennies, right? So we started doing that. And then lo and behold, just a little bit after a little bit, Chop Sports became an LLC. I said, why don't we just make this just our thing, right? We'll we'll start a podcast network. We'll we'll get like like-minded guys to start other shows. We then when I was introduced to a guy named Jimmy Palumbo, you might know him. He is Mr. 706 himself from Beer League. I was like one of the six fans of Beer League, right? In the in the country. And um so he starts doing his podcast. Then I get the soccer guys in here. Then I get just little random people all of a sudden were like, yeah, let's do this. I get my buddy, Matt Ibanez, who I've known since, I don't even know. He's my brother's age. So he was like middle school. He's a huge Mets fan. I said, bro, you got this gift to talk Mets. Then we get connected with his, uh, you know, one of Jimmy's friends, John Sapinaro out of, out of California. And they now have a podcast that's over 104, 105 episodes deep. And I'm like, this is great. So podcast network, I was like, fine, what next? Then we realized, all right, you know what? We're, we're making some money. Um, we want to produce content. We need a bigger space, right? So then doc, uh, Dr. Sean Basinger of Health and Fitness Professionals, still to this day, he's, a, he's one of my good friends. I mentioned him in the first episode. He gave me uh, a, a job when I needed it the most. And I was working there currently. And he said, listen, uh, I'm invested. I, I like what you're doing here. Let me become an investor of the company. I said, holy shit, like, we're, we're like four months in. Like, what are we talking about? We have nothing to our name. We don't have a dollar in our bank account. We don't know what. But he just believed in us. And he's like, look, I, I, Dave, everything you've ever done, you've gone like 110 miles an hour. So I was like, well, well yeah, I mean, it's, it's what I, it's who I am. It's like, well, it's, it's instilled in me. And he said, uh, I, I'm in. Let's go. All of a sudden, Sean Basinger is a 10% owner of Chop Sports Media, right? So then, obviously, the, the, there are peaks and valleys. But what we realize is, now it's time to potentially take this whole place over, right? There was like an acupuncturist in here. There was like a weird, it was a weird vibe, right? And I was like, you know, the the landlord, not the landlord, landlord, the owner of the building, the landlord that was like renting us the space was like a real shyster. And all of a sudden we realized, why don't we tell the landlord we'll take over 
will take over everything. Like little did we know Dave and Jay were on their way out. So all of a sudden we had all this office space and it was just us and the acupuncturist. So pff, what am I going to do? I politely told her to go scratch, I don't know, like Thanksgiving of 2021. <laughs> so I was like, you gotta, you gotta go. I was like, hey, we're making noise here. And you're like, you gotta be quiet. There's people sleeping. I'm like, fuck you. Like we're a podcast. Like we're, we're trying to be the next bar stool, whatever the hell we were trying to be at the, in the beginning. So she's out. Goodbye. So now we have this, all this space and we're like, all right, well now what, you know, then lo and behold, we strike a little bit of gold with the, uh, the NIL deals that started to happen in the United States where, College athletes were allowed to be paid based off their name, image, and likeness. We signed on with John Paz of, of Rutgers Wrestling and, and Mike Tverdoff of, of Rutgers Football. And then lo and behold, before you knew it, there was like 26 people that were involved with CHOP Sports and were called CHOP Athletes. Like, we just were like, this is great. We'll make them merchandise. We opened up our own e-commerce online store. Chris did a lot of that grunt work, man. I can't thank him enough for that because the, the store looks awesome to this day. It's still there. ChopSports.shop. Go check it out. Um, support the show, right? Support everything. I'll, maybe I'll come up with a, a t-shirt or some shit. Um, but in any event, we start doing that. The NIL deals are kicking. We started to realize that we're like, okay, so once we get to this thousand subscriber thing on YouTube, like we're going to be rolling in it, right? They're just going to be paying us a handed over fist of money. That was never the case. We realized our first check was like two bucks and we're like, okay, this ain't going to pay the bills. What are we going to do? Um, so we were at a, another bit of a standstill where we didn't know what was going on, but the entire time we knew that if we just kept working hard, uh, that, that things would happen. We were here every single morning planning, planning for a, what's, what was used to be a weekly show. Then it went to two days a week. Then it went to week daily, daily show every day. We were here prepping, right? For what? For how much money? Zero dollars, technically. I mean, if we didn't make money on merchandise, we weren't making money. And we're, if we didn't make money on advertisements, we weren't making money. So all of a sudden, we're like, what the, what the hell are we going to do? Um, so as we're doing this, it was one daily show, one random daily show in like August, I believe it was. Um, and my brother's brother-in-law um, commented as a... A unanimous commenter. So I was like, I didn't know. Cause we were a live show. So people could actually tune in and chime in. He tunes in and he chimes in. And he goes, Hey, just want to let you guys know that Mojo is uh, going to be live in New Jersey in September. You guys should definitely set up a meeting and talk. And I was like, who the fuck? First of all, I didn't know who was talking to me. Second of all, I waited to the end of the show and I'm like, Hey, you know, Hey Joe, you know, like what, what's, what's this Mojo thing. He sets us up with a meeting. Mojo is to this day, the sports stock market. It's based out of New York. They paid us a nice chunk of change to basically revamp our show and start a mojo market report in which we're in the beginning. We were here literally walking in the door at seven o'clock in the morning to record this thing, to get it out early. It wasn't until a little bit into it where we're like, dude, hey, listen, <laughs> this is kind of unnecessary at this moment. We don't have to be here so early. Um, and a 10 week deal turned into a nine month deal for us. And all that time, we still weren't really taking a paycheck. We were taking money here and there for us, but like at the same time, it's like, what could we do to reinvest into this business? And that's what we did. And we took a lot of this money and everything that you're seeing around me, either on video or other content that we do, every single little thing that we did, we feel like Mojo and our hard work built this place. And now what you see before you is Chop Studios. And now we are a fully functional audio, video, photography, social media management, everything you can name. That's our business. That's what we're doing. And that's where we go forward. Like, this is why now 
I'm able to do the Dave Sturchio show and tell this story and do these things because I feel like now's a good time. Now that we're in motion and we're starting to get some uh, heavy hitting clients, we're starting to really attack different things like the premier streaming network gig that I'm doing right now. Like we're really starting to really hit the ground running and it took a little while. We're two and a half years into this, right? It's time to start making money. And does this kind of equivalent to what I originally sought out to do? No. Would I have rather been in the booth on a Sunday night football instead of Chris Collinsworth? Yeah. Have I filled that void? Sure. I've been, I've done high school football. I've done semi-pro football. I've done all these cool things, right? And I have a reel and I have these, these uh, things that I can share out there and say that I've done certain things. But at the end of the day, it's all about leaving some kind of legacy. It's some kind of, uh, to, to continue your drive and to continue going forward and in evolving. When we first started Chop Sports, I'm like, cool, we're going to talk on the air for a living. This is going to be great. This is everything I ever wanted to do. But you got to follow the money. You got to follow the hustle. You got to follow where that next big investment's going to come from. And by doing what we're doing right now, I think like, like we're, we're untouchable. I, I feel, I truly feel that we're hitting a, a very good stride right now. And people are starting to recognize us. People aren't asking me, how's the podcast anymore? Now they're just saying, how's the studio? You know, people are starting to pick up on the fact that we're doing a lot and we're putting in the hours and I'm sacrificing my time uh, with my family and my friends and that's going to happen, right? But I, I, I think a little bit along the way, I started to um, just more appreciate, you know, when I am home or when I am with my friends and I'm, I'm there and I'm in the moment. I'm not always thinking work, 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 work. I know the work's going to come. And when it does come, we're going to kill it and I'm going to crush it. And it's going to be easy to me, right? Like when all that stuff comes and hits the fan, we're like, Ooh, if we have a situation here, or Ooh, if we have to pay this bill or whatever, we're going to get all that done. But if you're one of those people that are just continuously just hawking your phone and you're just like, Oh my God, what's next? What are we going to do? I have no idea. Like, where's the next dollar coming in? Oh my God. You got to be patient. And, and that's what we've been for two and a half years. We've been patient. And now finally, people are starting to realize that we got what it takes and we're going to succeed. And, you know, these guys are our guys. I still get hit up about announcing games. I still get up about all that stuff because they know where we come from. They know where I come from as far as my broadcasting background. People are still telling, hey, can you do a write-up? Can you do this? Can you write this? Because it's like they know I can write. They know my skill set. It's out there. It's been out there. It's not a breaking news article where I'm just like, hey, by the way, Dave knows how to write. I've known how to write. I've known how to talk. And now I know how to run a business. And is there things that are still disturbing or, or kind of make me, you know, kind of sweat at night where I'm just like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, there's moments like that. Because if you don't have moments like that, you're just not human. You're a robot. And at that point, what's the fun in that shit? I'd rather struggle. I'd rather find some some times where I'm just like really down on my luck and, and kind of look around the studio and say like, okay, fuck, what's next? Because I, I don't know. You know, like I, I do want days where I don't have answers because the next day when I do get that answer, it's going to feel so much more rewarding. It really is. Um, I can't tell you how many times now I have this new mentality where every day I want to win every day. Oh, win singular win. Not like I got to rule the day. No, like every day when I walk out of the studio to go home on my drive home, I'll either tell Chris out loud or I'll literally say it to myself or I'll write it down on my notebook. What did you win today? Right. Whether it be a new client or a new podcast or a new, whatever, whatever you did, if you won something, you were officially officially by the book. This is math. You're better than you were yesterday. And and that's a big thing for me because if I feel like I'm better than I was yesterday, guess what? Guess what I'm going to do next day? I'm going to be better than the day I was before, you know? So that's big in me right now is to just get 
win after win, stockpile these dubs, right? Stockpile. And of course, you're going to take the losses. You're going to have days where you're just like, I couldn't get this done, or I forgot to do this, or oh my God, I you know, didn't publish this podcast, or I didn't share this the right way, or whatever the case may be. You're going to come up to the, a million of those. But as long as you get out of here with with a significant win per day, it could even be like on a personal front. Like when I go, I go to the gym at least four times a week, right? I'm not like, you got to go like seven days and no days off. And like I'm not like a psychopath, but like at the same time, I want to stay uh, uh, able enough to do things with my kids and able enough to go out and throw a football, right? I want to be able to do those things. So I have to stay in shape, right? Or lack, you know, somewhat shape. Um, but what I will say is like, uh, even if I do one more rep or one more push up or one more something, just it's a win. And if you compile those wins, you'll just keep winning, right? And I said in the first episode, and I'll probably say it after every episode, root for everybody around you. That is the only thing I can just hammer with a with my relic of a hammer in my office. I hammer that down. Root for people to win because I promise, I oh my God, do I promise you that it's going to come back around, man. It is, it is. And there's so many times where I was hard on myself and like doubting myself and all this other stuff. But I know there was people out there, whether they're saying it or not, they're rooting for me to win because when I do, it's going to come back to them. So if Kind of like it's one of those like pay for the guy behind you, right? I've never done that, but it's one of those things. Like if you do it, it's going to right around. So that'll do it. That's a show. That is episode number two of the journey to get to where I'm at today. Next week, I will dive into the world of professional wrestling. So that will be a skipped episode of, for some. But if some want to hear the journey and all the stories about the wrestling world and how that all came about, I'll do that for you. And then, like I said, We'll catch up to the to the current times, and I'm going to start having some awesome, awesome guests on this thing. So once again, thank you guys for listening. Please review the show. Give it a rating on the old iTunes or Spotify or however you're listening to it. Um, drop a comment. Drop me a DM. Tell me if you liked it. Tell me if you hated it. I don't care. Either way, I'm learning as I go. So thank you guys for listening to Episode 2 of The Dave Sturchio Show, and we'll see you guys next week.